You are listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast, an honest and non-judgmental discussion on faith in God and the doubts we often have, why it's sometimes difficult to trust God, and how we can know with a surety that He loves us. This show centers on strengthening and rebuilding our faith after loss, tragedy, or when coming to Christianity from a non-Christian or pseudo-Christian worldview. Now, here is your host, Gene Curl. Hello and welcome back to Recovering Faith Podcast. Today, my special guest is William Rowland, who's an accomplished musician, and also he's spent over 20 years in Cairo's prison ministry, and that's uh, mostly the subject we're going to talk about. Uh, Thanks for joining me today. Very good to speak with you, Gene. Thanks for having me. Always glad. Uh, So first off, you want to just talk a little bit about yourself, maybe like what uh, your uh, where you are in Christianity, like uh, your journey in Christianity, just a little bit, and then, and then how you got introduced to uh, prison ministry. Okay, uh, I grew up as a minister's son in Missouri, and uh, I did not really take the church or Christianity all that. Uh, well, I took it literally, but I didn't take it seriously. And so for the first 18 years or so of my life, yeah, I was just a member of the church, but uh, not really. Well, I attended Sunday school, attended MYF, Methodist Youth Fellowship, and uh, church on Sunday. But it never really became part of my inner being until the uh, when I was 18 years old, I had an experience, which I won't go into. But... Uh, during that time, it was very stressful for me, and, and I made a promise to God that if he would pull me out of this, let me escape the consequences of, of something I'd done, uh, I would serve him. Now, this is nothing new. I did that when I was a kid. God, get me out of this trouble, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be a good boy. Uh, but this time, I really meant it, and... I was miraculously delivered from this experience and and I said okay Lord I'm yours it wasn't too long after that that uh, I actually uh, got with a preacher and uh, rededicated or dedicated my life to God to stand up for the things that I believe that he would have me to do and uh, I spent some time as the organist for a revival and evangelist traveling around the country uh i'd gotten married at the time and and uh we had a kid and uh we're still traveling and i was i was dedicated to the service of the lord while i was uh, playing the music but i it dawned on me that promises were being made in god's name that god was not keeping and so uh, I sought to distance myself from the revival. And then uh, for a while, I was nothing. I wasn't a fundamentalist. I wasn't a Methodist. I wasn't much of anything spiritual. I just kind of existing. Uh, I still believed in God. I just didn't have a personal touch from him at the time. Uh, I was a piano tuner uh, in the city of Joplin, Missouri. By the way, I can say Missouri because I was born there. <laughs> uh, you probably have to say Missouri. 
But if if you're born there, you get to call it Missouri, okay? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty much a lo considered local of Missouri, but I but I was born in in uh, Topeka, so. Right. So any, anyway, that's a little side note there. So I was tuning the pianos at the Methodist Church that I had grown up in. They they had 22 or 23 pianos in that church, and uh, I had the task of servicing them, bringing them up the pitch, tuning them, and evaluating them, and providing the church with a survey of them and what they were worth. And so it was quite a uh, quite an undertaking for me. And as I was wandering through the halls of that church looking for pianos, I was very, very familiar with the church because I'd pretty well grown up in it. And I just felt the Lord telling me, this is where I want you to be. And so I went home and, and told my wife that. And Linda just said, okay, let's do it. And so we started, I said, we, we don't need to commit to going every week, but uh, you know, let's just try it out. Well, it was every week. It just <laughs> turned out that way. It was home. And uh, uh, I found myself back in the Methodist church and, and, uh, composing music which was used in the service and uh, later when we moved I graduated from college at an advanced age I was like a little over 40 uh, when I finally ended up graduating from college I got a degree in computer science so I started out a second career as a computer programmer and we moved to Little Rock Arkansas and we joined the Methodist Church there and it was one Sunday night when uh, I was coming in to play piano for the Sunday evening service and they had a fellow from a Kairos prison ministry. Well, I'd never given any thought to prison ministry. And uh, he started talking about the work that they were doing and the number of cookies that they went through, homemade cookies. He said, these reach the prisoners. These reach the residents, what we call them. We don't call them convicts, we call them residents. And uh, we give a bag of homemade cookies to every resident in the prison and every staff member. And that amounts to 60,000 dozen cookies. No, 5,000 dozen cookies, 60,000 cookies for every weekend that we put on a Kairos weekend in prison. And my eyes bugged out and, and all of a sudden, I knew this is what I was supposed to do. I've never been a deeply spiritual person. I can't say that I've had any leadings one way or the other. Uh, I've already told you about the one in, in Joplin. And this is another leading. I just, uh, Lord said, I want you to do this. I says, okay. Well, as it turned out, I couldn't do it immediately because of the uh, restrictions of the Kairos system. But a couple of years later, after we had moved to uh, Broken Arrow, a suburb of Tulsa, and uh, we were attending First Methodist Church here, and uh, somebody came in to talk about Kairos Prison Ministry. He said, aha, it's time. And so I got involved in it, and this would have been about 1998. Uh, I became involved as a musician, part of the music team. Now, what Kairos is, it's a system of a short course in Christianity over a weekend. And the way this happens is 
we get some extraordinary privileges from the prison. Uh, we get to come in and take selected candidates, typically 42 of them, and have them from Thursday night and then all day Friday and all day Saturday and part of the day Sunday. And during this time, we give them this short course in Christianity. Uh, it's very moving and very effective. Uh, that's, we can get into more details as we go along, but right now this is just an overview. I've been doing it here in prisons in uh, Oklahoma, uh, three prisons in particular, the Dick Connors Correctional Institution in Hominy, and the Cimarron Correctional Institution in Cushing, and uh, cannot remember the name of that guy. I was only out there once uh, in western Oklahoma. It's a long way from here, but I was helping out a friend. You get to know the members of your team very well, and you get to know these, these guys who are doing time, the residents. You would think it'd be a scary thing but it's not. In the first place, you're protected by the Lord. And uh, we are allowed to bring in food, which is a, an amazing attraction to the residents because they're used to eating prison food. And there were times when, when our crew got to eat with them in their chow hall. It ain't no treat. It's very bland and turkey-based and, and nothing really tasty. And so we offer them just simple fare, uh, cheeseburgers, uh, uh, any number of things that they don't normally get. Uh, simple two pieces of bread with a slice of ham and cheese is such a treat to them because they don't get real cheese. What the, whatever they get that passes for cheese won't even melt melt in a microwave. Oh. And so uh, they've heard of Kairos. Uh, every time there's a, a weekend, the residents get a bag of cookies from Kairos. They know it's Kairos cookies, Jesus cookies they call them. And so they're all familiar with the with program and they talk to guys that have been through it and they see differences in these guys lives i say guys uh, understand it also uh, works in prisons for women so if i say guys you can say gals as well yeah but you know more about this because you go to the men's prisons obviously. right yeah the the men serve the men prison and the women serve in the women's prison and the men do the cooking and uh uh so, preparing uh, the food. So how does Kairos differ from other prison ministries? We come back every month and we've been told that that makes an enormous difference. Uh, other ministries will come in and, and hit and, and make a difference and then they go away. But Kairos team comes back for a reunion every month and meets with former Kairos uh, attendees and uh, we have a prayer and share situation that keeps them accountable to what they've said they would do and and uh, just shows them the the basic thing about Kairos is what reaches the guys there's people who care 
because a prisoner is in a situation where nobody gives a flip about you. You're a number. You're not a person. Uh, the only time anybody would take an interest in you, it's usually not good. And to have somebody come in and donate their time and sit and listen to them and uh, be their friend, we don't really preach to them. We just tell them about Jesus. Uh, it's amazingly effective. And this is what turns lives around. Did that answer your question? I, I may have wandered off here. Yes, it did. And I know in, in Joplin there's a, a ministry called ARM, and they make, a bap, they make a baptismal fonts and stuff, portable ones. Uh -huh. And they said a lot of them are used in the prisons. So uh, do many of the uh, residents there wind up getting baptized? Not by us. We are an ecumenical group. We have Methodists, Baptists, uh, Pentecosts, Catholics, Lutherans, and there is some disagreement about uh, methods of baptism. So we don't do it. They okay. want to get baptized, they can see the chaplain and get baptized. We're not there to preach to them. We're not there to baptize them. We're not there to give an altar call. If they decide that they would like to change their lives, we can help them. If they just want to sit and enjoy the food and the music and, and the fellowship and not make a decision for Christ, that's okay too. We're not there to really try to force them into a conversion. We are there to offer what's available. And, you know, what Jesus said, no man can come to the Father except no, come to the Son, except the Father draw him. There are those who God has drawn in through Jesus to attend these these uh, services. Uh, They're not services, but the, the weekends. And it, when their heart is conditioned by the Lord, they're ready to receive. Now, you can give your heart to God, I can give my heart to God, and change our lives, and actually is not that big a deal. But it is a big deal in prison, because people notice. And if they think that you have done something like that, they're going to try you. It's not going to be easy on you. It's not an easy decision to make to turn your life around in prison. And but. And and we let them know that. So you know, before you, before you think about accepting Jesus as your friend and and living a Christ-centered life, think about what it's going to cost you. So, do you think most of the people who accept Jesus in prison, do you think most of them are sincere, or are some of them doing it so they look good to the uh, parole board? Well, naturally, you've you've got both. Uh, this has no impact whatsoever on parole. And we let them know that, you know, we're not going to, you know, recommend you for parole. We're not going to try to get you out of prison. Matter of fact, we don't even care why you're in prison. We're not going to ask you what you did or how much time you serve. We're just here to, to be your friend. Well, that's, that's good. Non-judgmental and Yeah, we, we don't judge. We... The the weekend starts on a Thursday night when we uh, all gather together with uh, the residents and the team members and go around in a circle and, and everybody introduce himself, tell a little bit 
about, uh, my name is Bill Rowland. I live in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I've been married for 50 years to my wife. We have three daughters who all live close to us. And uh, I attend church at St. Mark's United Methodist Church in Tulsa. And uh, the reason I came to Kairos is because I love watching God work. That is a typical introduction. No more, no less. And we encourage them to tell where they're from, a little about their family, if they care to share, and why they came to Kairos. If they're being honest, they came to eat the good food. <laughs> and, you know, that's fine. We provide that food just for that reason. Uh, then uh, we have a chapel service. The weekend is conducted in a gymnasium, typically, divided into three sections. The, the uh, chapel is set aside as a holy place, a quiet place where we can meditate and hear talks about God. Then there's the community room, which has seven round tables, mm -hmm. and the 42 residents are deployed six residents to a table with three team members. So you've got a team member between every two resident. And and that community table is uh, a family. Family of Matthew, Mark, John, Luke, uh, Peter, James, and uh, anyway, there's seven of them. Seven families, and they sit and talk about they, they receive talks uh, several during the weekend. They have about 20 minutes. A speaker gets up and shares, becomes vulnerable. Vulnerability is another very dangerous thing for a prisoner because you don't want to be seen as vulnerable. Someone will use it against you later. Absolutely. But we're vulnerable, and we tell stuff that... Uh, you, we can't talk about outside. What goes on at Cairo's weekend stays at a Cairo's weekend. I've heard some horrifying stories from men I thought I knew and how God brought them out of their situation. And uh, we share those openly. A lot of tears go on during these talks. And then the third uh, part of the uh, gymnasium is typically where they eat. And they sit by table families, and they're, they're served food by uh, residents who have been through the uh, Cairo's weekend before are now servants. And uh, one thing I learned early on, don't get in their way, because they will run over you to be of service and share the love with the, the residents on the weekend. And we go through and have uh, the talks, and then we'll discuss the talks at the table, and make a poster to show what the, the talk meant to us. Uh, later on in the evening, we'll have a poster party, and everybody can stand up and show the poster and explain it. And then uh, this interspersed with chapel visits, where we get some uh, talking like uh, uh, three encounters with Christ and friendship with God. And uh, just forgiveness is a big part of it, too. Forgive others forgive yourself. Uh, by the time Sunday afternoon comes around, we have a closing. It's a big surprise when the residents who have been on the weekend suddenly discover a curtain drops and the outside world is there. Uh, 
all kinds of invited people who come for the closing. And they're, uh, all these people care for us. They don't even know us. But here's the people from the local church. Here's the, the ladies who have been cooking for us. Uh, they always get a big hand. And uh, the representatives of the prison system, the warden and uh, the chaplain, and uh, it's, they have a chance to stand up and tell what the weekend has meant to them. And it's, it's tear time. Next question. I know not everybody changes and you know it's a personal decision but I imagine you've seen uh, some people that had some significant changes as oh my yes oh yes yeah uh, there are some people as I as you asked earlier gaming the system you know trying to to impress everybody that's okay you know we we can tell a phony these guys are cons they're very good at conning people you know you don't want to take them all that seriously because only God knows if what they got is real or not but often enough we see these guys every month and what they have many of them is real and persists uh, I remember one of the first closings that my wife attended back in about 1998-99 she was talking to a correctional officer, a guard, a screw, whatever. We call them COs, correctional officers, out of respect. And he said, you know, I served 17 years in Kansas prisons, and I came down here, and I've been down here for eight years, and, and I've seen a lot of these ministries come and go, but this one, I am impressed because I see the difference. I see these guys the way they were on the yard, and then after a weekend, they're different. Some of them, not all of them, uh, but there's enough of them that get the word that actually changed their lives. And those are the ones that uh, Jesus was talking about, the least of these, my brethren. In Matthew, I think it's the 24th, 25th chapter, he said, because I was hungry and you fed me, I was naked and you clothed me, I was imprisoned and you visited me. Yes. And it was apparently important to him, so why wouldn't it be imp important to us too? And it, you could see the difference in these guys' lives, and other people can see the difference. And sometimes uh, somebody will show up on Thursday night and said, well, my, my Sally went to uh, Kairos, and he came back a whole different person. I want that. So imagine a lot of people that probably some people who are for whatever reasons are about ready to give up hope and I imagine that some people this gives them renewed hope even if they know they're not actually ever going to be a uh, physically a free man yeah we have a lot of people doing life without parole we've had people that were on death row that uh, got a new trial or something and released to a uh, general population but they know they're not getting out. But a lot of the people will be getting out. It's, uh, somebody say, "Well, I'm going free in about two months." You know, well, I'm, you know, I'm coming up next year to be released. A lot of these people get back out, and uh, the rate of recidivism for Kairos graduates is lower than the general population. 
I'm not sure what uh, records have been kept or what studies have been done, but every time somebody does a study of Kairos graduates, they find that their recidivism rate, the rate at which they return to prison, is lower by sometimes a substantial amount. So there is a difference made in some of these lives. Well, you imagine because, you know, like Paul says, if you are, uh, that if you're born again, that you become a new creature in Christ. And so if, and you put away your old ways. So obviously if they, if they were truly born again while they were in prison, when they get out of prison, they're not wanting to do those same things they were, did before they were born again. Right. And so that would, that in and of itself would make them a lot less likely to return to the system. Yeah. And, and that's how it works. Not every time, but everybody gets a crack at it. Many are called. <laughs> uh, we like to make it available to the bad boys, the uh, leaders, negative leaders. Uh, I was told by one of the guys at Dick Connors one time that every time you come around and have a have a uh, weekend here, the situation on the yard changes because they have to find new leaders. <laughs> yeah, it. We we bring in the the worst of the worst if we can. Ask the chaplain. Don't send us the choir boys. You know, there'd be some choir boys in there, but like a, about a third of them, the nasty guys. And I've seen tremendous uh, differences in, in people. One fellow was named Crazy Dave. And uh, anybody that uh, saw him coming would kind of back up and, and walk around him because he, he was known to do some pretty bad stuff to people. But uh, he got tricked into coming to a Kairos weekend because they they pulled a nasty trick on him. They had his mother ask him. Mm. Yeah. That's not playing fair, but he came anyway. And uh, that was uh, almost 20 years ago, and even now he is working in the... Uh, educational system to help other uh, inmates learn because he had two master's degrees and he was working on a doctorate when when he got locked up and there was so much rage and anger in him that uh, he acted out and everybody was afraid of him but they're not afraid of him anymore he's there to help them to be their friend so that's that's just one there's there's a lot of these stories I would have yeah, that, that's it's always great when you see God change somebody's life. And I always, uh, uh, some people I've talked to people they say they don't really believe in miracles. And I I talk, say sometimes that uh, whenever one person changes their life, that in and of itself is a miracle. Absolutely. And if you want to see miracles, then uh, I can show you where they are. Now, not everybody is called into prison ministry. I, I can't think of any of the guys I've worked with for years. Not a one of them grew up thinking, gee, when I get old, I think I will you know, go into prison and tell people about Jesus. It, it just doesn't work like that. But uh, there are some that he has called, that God has called to be in this ministry. 
And I feel fortunate to be one of those because I get to see these miracles. Uh, you don't have to serve inside. You can, uh, If you want to serve on a team, you can be part of the team that makes the food that gets sent into the prison. Uh, you can be a runner between the kitchen and the, and the institution. But one of the most important things that somebody who wants to get involved with this ministry can do is pray for it. And the reason for that is because these miracles happen by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit apparently is motivated by prayer. There are prayer warrior, warriors, prayer warriors, hard to say, <laughs> for me anyway, uh, who uh, are on their knees praying for this weekend while it's going on. And, and we tell the guys about that. And they are praying that the Holy Spirit will make these changes because we can't do anything. All we can do is be there and follow the four L's. L-L-L-L. Listen, listen, love, love. If any change is going on, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. We just kind of stand back and help where we can and, and watch and, and glory in the and the successes. So um, there are prayer groups. There are people supporting this ministry. It uh, takes over a hundred dollars per resident to uh, support the weekend, to, to buy the the materials and the food. And um, we all serve without pay. The whole Kairos ministry uh, is worldwide is run by a team of, of paid staffers in Florida. There's about 10 people. And everybody else is volunteering their time and their energy. You haven't asked where the word Kairos comes from. I was getting to that. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah, since you brought it up, what, is, what does that mean? What is... <laughs> it is a Greek word. Now, the Greeks have two words for time. Kairos is one of them, and Kronos is the other one. Kronos, if you look at your watch, you say, that's 11.55 on January the 5th, 2019. Okay, that's my time. That It's the same time for you. It's the same time for the guy across the street. Uh, it's the same time for everybody. It's Kronos time. The other type of time is Kairos time. Uh, when it's translated in the Holy Scriptures, it's uh, usually referred to in the fullness of time. And it is different for everybody. It's, it's time to have a baby. You know, it's time for the labor to begin. It's time for you to give your heart to God. It doesn't mean it's 11.55 in the morning. It means it's, it's just time to do that. Oh, so like Ecclesiastes, there's a time and a season for everything under heaven. Yes. Of course, that's in the Old Testament, so it would be written in Hebrew and not Greek. But, but Same idea. Same idea, exactly. If it were written in Greek, I'm sure it would be the word kairos used for it. So it's, uh, if you look at the license plate on the front of my truck, it said Kairos Prison Ministry of Oklahoma, God's Special Time. And uh, a lot of residents find God's special time on a weekend. Does Kairos provide Bibles for the residents? No. 
No. No. We encourage them not even to bring a Bible because you don't want them leafing through it, looking up scriptures. You know, we give them pads of paper and a pencil and uh, encourage them to take notes. We have to take notes too to, to model the behavior for them, even though we've heard these talks uh, dozens of times, we still make notes just to model. So, and then usually I give my notebook to somebody, some resident on the team to, to augment their notes. And the scriptures are written there. They can look them up on their own time. You, uh, you mentioned about listening. And uh, I mean, I'm sh sure most people know, but there's a big difference between listening, truly listening, and listening for the sake of responding. So, if you that, know. That's the part of our team training. We go through like 36, 40 hours of training before we ever go into the prison uh, as a team. It builds uh, the team mentality. We get to know the guys and love the guys that we're working with. And the uh, one of the things that, one of the important things we do is teach them how to listen. When you listen to somebody, you don't cross your legs and sit back and cross your arms and and uh, you know, they say something, they say, well that reminds me of what happened to me one time. That's not listening. We learn to lean forward Look them and encourage them to to tell us whatever they want to tell us. As I say, we don't care about their criminal past. We we're giving them an enormous gift. What a wonderful gift it is to listen to somebody when they're not used to being listened to. They get yelled at a lot and uh, ordered around, but nobody really cares what they think. And to have somebody come in and really care what you're saying and listen to you is a wonderful gift. And it reaches their souls. So surprise comes as a shock to a lot of these guys that you listen without, uh, without any ulterior motive. Absolutely. Because anything that their prison experience has taught them is nobody's going to do anything for you unless there's something in it for that person. Quid pro quo. You know, you do something for me, I do something for you, uh, back and forth. And here's this bunch of uh, religious fanatics, I guess, from all walks of life, from all different Christian denominations. Well, actually Christian denominations. For, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are not considered Christian. Uh, but all the others, uh, and here we are just... Uh, all loving Jesus together and uh, it's a revelation that these different denominations can work together and uh, these guys from all the different backgrounds uh, there's a handful of these men that have doctorate degrees who are uh, professors at universities there's other guys who drive truck uh, we're from all sorts of backgrounds and uh, it's it's just at first bewildering. I can't believe this guy's a Catholic, and you're a Baptist, and and you get along. Well, yeah. There's only one Jesus. Are there many people in the Kairos ministry that have served time themselves? Yes. As a matter of fact, the uh, chaplain at one of the prisons that I serve in had actually done time at one point. And uh, we have uh, guys that have 
been incarcerated, a member of our teams, uh, they're allowed in. They have to be out for a certain amount of time. I don't remember how many years, but uh, they are more than welcome because they have a valuable place to to serve as this guy knows where I am because he's been there. I tell people, you know, I've served more time in prison than some people <laughs> that were actually sentenced to, to <laughs> serve there. But uh, you are rubbing elbows with these guys and you're being vulnerable to them and modeling a Christian life. And uh, there is just something about it that reaches into their souls. They get letters. Now, this is something else that uh, is indulged by the prison system. Because when you're in prison, you're not allowed to have private mail. Anything sent to you gets opened and read and sniffed at by a dog, probably, to make sure there's no contraband in it. When they have a weekend... Each resident gets a sack of sealed letters from us, from other people in the community, from little kids in the in the community outside. And nothing, I, I was astounded to learn nothing reaches a convict's heart faster than a little kid. And I have seen uh, residents read a letter, just break it to tears. Written by a little kid. It's it's very, very meaningful to them. And these letters are sealed. We we have a process we go through where actually uh we each one of us on the team members writes forty two letters and uh submits them to the facility and they can look through them and, and sniff them all they want. And then uh they're given back to us and we seal them. So the only time in a resident's uh, time in prison that he gets sealed letters is on a Kairos weekend. That would be, yeah, that would have to make an impact on them. And these, these people, other than the team members, people are writing the letters. So these people are from the local churches or? Local churches. Uh, we encourage little kids uh, in the Sunday schools to make placemats for the for the residents for when we feed them they'll have a placemat and uh, scribblings from a three-year-old a five-year-old and they get to keep those they get to take them back to their house and uh, or their cell they they don't say I'm going back to my cell they say I'm going back to my house uh, so they get to take those with them if they want and they will very carefully roll them up and preserve them because it's from a child and apparently there's something about a child having no agenda that, that speaks to them something they can trust in a little kid and so there's letters from little kids that uh, we encourage people to uh, write to them. what what should it say whatever you want it to we're going to read them uh, and make sure there's nothing inappropriate one time uh, we were looking through letters from little kids and this this kid had a lot of hatred and wrote the nastiest letter you ever saw. Well, we intercepted it and it never got through, but uh, most of them, you, uh, along the lines of, 
my name is Joey, I'm seven years old, uh, whatever you did to get in there, don't do it again. <laughs> you know? They just say any, any number of things, and it's all sincere, and, and it really reaches through to the residents. So the child that wrote the hateful letter, was that maybe because they had a, a parent in prison? or Most likely. We, we didn't follow up. We didn't try to find out who it was. We just destroyed the letter. Uh, but, you know, uh, one of my brothers looked at that and said, that kid's got a lot of hurt. Yeah. We don't know what caused it. But uh, we prayed for the kid that uh, God would help him, him or her, I don't remember. I think it was a little boy. Uh, help them get through that and become real. Friendship with God is, is a big part of what we're telling him. You can be friends with Jesus. He wants to be your friend. He wants you to commune with him. Uh, wants you to do things that are pleasing to him. And Imagine being in the uh, legal system. A lot of these men have never been shown grace in their life. So hearing about the grace of Jesus is something that they're unfamiliar with, but something that's also the most wonderful thing. Yes. And accepting forgiveness and forgiving others and forgiving themselves. These are all important aspects of the short course in Christianity called Kairos. I would imagine that some people have an extremely difficult time forgiving themselves. Oh yeah. There is a moment on Saturday when they're handed uh, an assignment to write down a forgiveness list. This will be private, do it on the last page of your notebook. Nobody's going to see it. Make a list of all the people that you hold in unforgiveness. Could be your selling. Could be the cop that arrested you. Could be the, the judge that sentenced you. Could be the warden. Could be somebody on this yard that is uh, picking on you. Because we're going to do something special with that list. Then on Saturday night, we have them produce the list. And they destroy it. You know, we don't look at it. They, it's very private. If they don't have any list, uh, that's okay too. But some guy's list goes on and on and on. <clears throat> they really take it seriously. Who do you hold in unforgiveness? And once you destroy that list, it uh, says, oh, maybe I can forgive those people. And that, uh, that unforgiveness can lead me we stress upon them that forgiveness doesn't do anything. Gene, you made me mad, okay? I really hold it against you. How does that hurt you? Yeah, it doesn't. No. You, you know, you just go on your way. Uh, but it's, it's killing me, the hatred that I have for somebody named Gene who's done something that I detect as being against me. But if I can let that go, then I'm a much happier person. And the person named Gene, nothing to them, but it so eases my, uh, my soul that I don't have to feel that hatred anymore. I know it's extremely freeing to forgive somebody. I mean, for, uh, I won't go into it, but you know, I've had people in my life that I've uh, 
that I've had a difficult time forgiving. And once I finally forgave them, it was a huge weight lifted off of me. I mean, I yes. know it didn't affect the person at all, but it but that's it exactly what helped I'm me saying. greatly. Yeah, it's uh, and it's liberating for sure. The there they do I have time to tell one of the Kairos stories? Take about three minutes. Yes, you do. The rooster story is uh, very compelling. We're talking about forgiveness. There was a, a man who had some uh, prized roosters, and he had uh, a, a affluent home and and uh, a son who he loved very much. Well, one of his roosters was a real prize winner. It was a bandy rooster that had won all kinds of prizes, and and he was very proud of his rooster. He was very proud of his son. The son turned 16. Daddy bought him a new convertible sports car. And the kid said, can I take it into town, Dad, and show off? And he said, sure you can. Just be home by dark. And so the kid goes into town driving his, his new convertible, and his friends are there, and he's giving them all rides and having a great time, and it's time to go home. Uh-oh, it's almost dark. I've got to hurry. And so he's speeding when he comes in, and, and he turns the last corner and heads up the lane. He's going too fast, and there's that Manny Rooster, the prize rooster right in the way. Splat! He kills the rooster. And uh, his dad's standing on the porch and saw it. And so the boy picks up the crumbled remains of the bird, scrapes them off the hood of his car, comes up to his dad with tears in his eyes and Dad, I have done something terrible, awful. I'm, I'm so sad. And it's sad. His dad says, Son, I forgive you. Go get a shovel and bury the bird. And so the boy goes and gets a shovel and he digs a hole uh, next to a, a tree there in the front yard and he, and he puts a bird in it and closes it up. And the next day he gets feeling so, so terrible about what he had done. He gets a shovel and he digs the bird up again. And he, he looks, his, looks for his dad and finds the dad at the workshop and he brings in this, this molding bird covered with, with dirt and, and starting to, to get lice, and, and, you know, fly-blown, miserable thing. And he said, Dad, I'm so sorry. Uh, it was just awful. And Dad very patiently says, Son, I forgave you. And so just get the shovel and bury the bird. And so he goes on uh, a couple of days later. It's Sunday, and he goes to Sunday school, and, and he gets so convicted about what he's done. So he gets home, and, and he goes out to the shed and gets a shovel. Right now, you're saying to yourself, if that, if that kid digs up that rooster again, he's got to be the dumbest kid in the world, right? <laughs> but isn't that what we do with God? We ask him for, to forgive us. He forgives us. He forgets. And then we say, we get thinking, wait, I did that awful thing. God forgive me. And God said, I already forgave you. Bury your rooster. And Corey said, I can see why some people feel that way. Because there are some religions, including like the Mor including the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, commonly called the Mormons, where they teach that if you have done some big sin and you've been forgiven for it, 
and then you commit another sin that your former sins come back. And so instead of just repenting for the sin you just committed, you have to com for, uh, repent for the other sins you committed in the past as well. Yeah, that's not scriptural. Well, I, I know it's not. But some <laughs> people have that kind of mindset, and I think that's why they can't forgive themselves. Yeah. Because they think, oh, no, I did this again. So not only have to repent for doing it this time, I have to repent for all the times I did it before. Yeah. But they don't realize it was like a clean slate that you were forgiven for that and it doesn't come back. Bury the rooster. And I thought it was always thought it was um, uh, impressive or amazing in, uh, when Jesus would talk to people. Like somebody would come up for, for healing. And before he would even heal them, he would tell them that their sins were forgiven. And, you know, they came for healing and he healed them. But he wanted to give them the most important healing first. Yeah. And so... And that, you know, that was a big thing. He forgave them of their sins because, you know, uh, whatever physical infirmity and uh, whatever illness or injury or you have, that stays with you till the end of your life. But being forgiven of your sins has a has a more far-reaching impact. And then you don't want to sin again, uh, not because you fear the. The, the danger of hellfire, but because you just don't want to disappoint your Lord. Exactly. It's a beautiful thing. And I look back on 20 years of service in a, in a prison ministry, and I, and I think of the lives that have been changed, and I smile. And I think God smiles. I think so. Uh, for anybody who is, be, is interested in Kairos, how would they get involved? Well, it's spelled K-A-I-R-O-S and uh, probably send you to the website kairosprisonministry.org uh, that will take you to the uh, main website in Florida and from there you can uh, branch out to all the different states uh, we live in Oklahoma so uh, take you to our Oklahoma website we've got programs going on in prisons uh, pretty much all over the state. Uh, if you live in the Tulsa area, you would probably get involved with the one in Cushing or in Hominy, uh, as I do, and get uh, get the email address of the leader in the next weekend, or find somebody uh, whose uh, references are listed and uh, talk to them. And I will I will put the uh, website in the uh, show notes so that people who are interested can find it as well. It's an international ministry that's uh, going on in Africa and uh, South America and England, I believe. It's it's all over the world and very active in America. Just uh, another story is the. Uh, kid that was walking along the beach picking up starfish and tossing them back into the, into the ocean and a fellow comes along and says what are you doing he said well I'm picking up these starfish and tossing them back in the ocean they live they live they wash up here and then they die can't go back to the water and the uh, guy said the man says kid you can't possibly make a difference to all these starfish and the kid didn't say anything, just reached down, picked up another starfish, tossed it back in, and said, made a difference to him. I love that story. I shared that one a lot. Uh, would you say that 
your time in Kairos, would you say that that's one of the most uh, fulfilling things that you've done with your life? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I like to look at my family, my daughters, and my grandkids, and, and uh, say they turned out pretty well, too. But, uh, you know, I hope that I have been a uh, guiding way for them to uh, live a life that would please the Lord. But the dramatic differences that I see are in the prison ministry. And they're, they're so rewarding. That's why we do it. That's that is extremely wonderful. I mean, uh, there's I know there are some people who like to do certain things because it makes them look good to other people. And I know, and obviously those aren't the kind of people you want in prison ministry. The people are doing it so that they look good to the to their friends and the people they go to church with. They don't last long. No, you want the people who are doing it because they really care. We call that a servant's heart. They are in service. They will do whatever is asked of them. Not because they you can say, oh, look at me, what I, what I do, you know. I'm a super musician. Listen to how I can play this song. They, they don't hear that stuff because well, the songs we play are very simple and straightforward. There's no uh, artistry being projected here at all. We're just guys that, you know, let's sing along with us. And I'm sure the thing that they remember isn't how much how well the music was played, or even if it was played off key. They what they really remember is that you cared. Yeah, they dance. We we get lively music, and they start dancing. There's a song uh, that they like to make the motions to called Pharaoh Pharaoh. It's always a big favorite. We have to play it every every day at least once, and uh, the. Lord of the Dance, they will actually dance around on the floor and get involved and clap and applaud and, and just have a great time. And the next song can be slow and convicting and they just move with the moment. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing how the Spirit works through this team of Kairos people. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. I'm not sure I'm familiar with that song. You no, know, we get off the recorder, I'll show you how it goes. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's a that's about it for our time. I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk about Kairos, and I hope that hope that, um, that it'll affect somebody. Those people who are interested can can uh, find a way to contribute as well. And so I thank you a lot. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me and giving me an opportunity to witness to the power of the Lord. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you haven't already, uh, please go to iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening and uh, rate and review the show. It greatly helps people to find the show and discover the show. Uh, the more the more five-star ratings it gets, it helps other people to discover it. So thanks for doing that. Thanks, and God bless. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Faith Podcast. Please rate and review this show and share it with your friends and family. You are loved.